Mystery Podcast, the only book club podcast that just just never got poker, just never understood it. There was a huge surge in the early 2000s, you know, they had a World Poker Championship on TV, Amanda, it was on ESPN. Do you remember those days? Mm-hmm. Yes, I do. More innocent times for poker, or maybe less innocent, but I, I was just never entertained. <laughs> I just never got it. I had friends who kind of got into it, did poker groups. Did you ever play any poker? No. It's, it's funny, because a couple um, of our mutual friends play it, and uh, mm-hmm. I just I just can't... I don't know. It's like I don't have the, the mind for it or something. I just... Yeah. I also don't like those hidden role games, so it's kind of like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, well, I mean, the game is literally just math and line. There's no other... Yeah. <laughs> the two mechanical hinges of the, of the sport or game of poker are you know math and probability and that you can lie or deceive. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> those are the two mechanics. I mean, those are pretty broad mechanics. You can do a lot with those, I guess. Uh, but yeah, I don't... Once I discovered... The world of board games beyond childhood board games, I never looked back. I Yeah, like basic deck <laughs> card games. Why would I play any of those? There's like infinite yeah. board games to play now. Yeah. 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 Never quite understood it. If you have no idea why we're discussing the merits of poker or its lack of merits, that is because you have stumbled upon a book club episode, which is an analytical deep dive episodes. We are, as I mentioned, the Lightly Literary Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook under that handle. So we're just at the Lightly Literary Podcast, which is all one word. Give us a follow on there. Comment on our stuff. See what we're doing. That's where we post updates about the books we're doing. We just post promotions. It's really simple. Essentially, just keep up with the reading schedule that way and see what we'll be reading and what's coming up. So follow us there. Today's book club will be analyzing the first half of the novel MASH by Richard Hooker. And as soon as I said that, is it Richard? It is. <laughs> I was like, remembered it was Hooker, but Richard, I couldn't. Anyway, um, so we'll be discussing the first half of that novel. It is the same novel that launched the TV show, I think, in that order. It was, yeah, it was novel then movie then tv show i believe oh, okay did a movie first i like it exciting mm-hmm. exciting we're going to be discussing and spoiling the first nine chapters today so chapters one through nine if you've never listened to a book club before we will be spoiling all that stuff we, we kind of do chapter summaries that are really quick then we do our analysis and thinking and then at the end we do some segments and awards and that kind of stuff so if you haven't read the book and you don't want it spoiled then hit pause now and come back and revisit us later check in on us later <laughs> um we're you know the podcast will be up forever so check us out whenever and if you're ready for that discussion then we're we're glad you're here do you want to briefly talk about why you chose it it was your pick it was yeah so i um i was actually wandering through one of my cousin's properties um she and her husband had uh, recently bought a house that was there for like a hundred years this is up in new england yeah and they were like hey we're gonna tear this building down and put a new house up so why don't you come through and look at all the stuff that the previous owners left behind okay and i found a stash of books and um so i found a lot of different books and and this was actually one of them Um, wonderful yeah and it's the it's not the first edition but it's one of the earlier editions for sure it's been reprinted several times yeah i bought um, from a bookstore i bought a you know new copy off the shelf and it seems like it has been reprinted yeah, several times, and uh, but yeah, I, I knew the the TV show and I'd seen the movie, and I was like, I didn't realize that it was based on a book, so I had to I had to read it. Yeah, definitely, and it's for a different generation for sure. The name Mash, the show's iconic status, not meant for our 
kind of knowledge base, <laughs> but I certainly am mm-hmm. aware of it. I mean, you, it's kind of hard not to be because it ran for so, so long, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah I definitely had a, I, and my awareness of it too, actually has lined up with the reading so far, because if you would have asked me before reading this, what is like, what's MASH's deal? Why was it famous? What's it about? I would have said it was like irreverent army dudes, kind of like lazy. Yeah. I, see, I would have thought going in lazy they're not lazy at all really it's it's different than that but i just would have thought like oh it's about people in the army who aren't you know they're not very i was gonna say sturdy or reliable again not true but they're just kind of like causing trouble like riffraff army Mm -hmm. riffraff um a little different than that so anyway uh let's move into our analysis hopefully that's enough setup to get those looking to avoid spoilers to avoid them we will start with a content warning briefly here though i don't know well i mean we're gonna it's we're gonna go over it <laughs> the reason i don't know is because i i don't have any quotes ready that have this but this is a novel that includes a ton of old racist terminology i guess racist terminology sometimes doesn't turn old and sticks around unfortunately and it's for a variety of groups which i will not name because then you know i don't want to hint at what the terms or whatever might be. So if you're sensitive to that kind of language, just be aware of it. I don't plan on saying any of it, and if I somehow come across a quote with it, I'll probably just leave it out. (laughs) It seems easy enough, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, yep. I'm not sure if it, you know, if you want to talk about that at all. But anyway, that's in there. The only other thing I could think of was that there is some violence in here, but it's all surgery based. There's no combat so far, so it's there are some descriptions of you know procedures. Then I guess if that bugs people, that's fine. I don't know again if that'll come up explicitly, but those are the two that I could think of. Did I miss anything? Uh, I don't think so. Some casual misogyny, but I don't know if that elevates itself to content warning. I guess we'll see. <laughs> yeah. See how people respond. <laughs> but yeah, the the terminology, I think I will mostly be ducking and dodging. But it is in there, and it is pretty rampant, so there's that as well. Um, mm-hmm. Should we start? Anything else before we jump into MASH? Uh, nope, I'm ready. All right, all the business taken care of. Let's get to chapters one and two. This will be our first kind of summary stopping point. So the novel opens with Radar O'Reilly, who is a young Iowan. It was Iowan, right? I didn't fact check that. I think so. Iowan, Definitely maybe? Midwest, yeah. right? He's got unusually large ears. That's what you need to know about him. And so he can hear <laughs> from far away. He tries to hear and anticipate things. He is tasked with picking up a few new surgeons on the war front in Korea. So that's right. The setting is the 1950s, and it's during the Korean War, which I don't know if you'd agree with this. Is it the most easily forgotten of any American war, maybe? I think it's actually nicknamed the Forgotten War. Yeah, I mean when you're when you're sandwiched between Vietnam and World War II, you're going to get forgotten. That's just mm-hmm. the brutal truth. Anyway, still a major war with uh, significant casualties and, and serious fighting and everything. Anyway, the two men that Radar finds and picks up are named Duke Forrest and Hawkeye Pierce from Georgia and Maine respectively, so some small state kind of rural types. These are like small town American archetypes in a way. They're very smart talking. They're very kind of boy-like and boyish in their charms and their habits and stuff. (laughs) They feel very kind of American archetype to me right away. Um, And they're pretty Mm -hmm. similar guys. They they learn quickly that they're, they both have similar views on things like not really caring that much about being in the army and and that kind of stuff. They're not really gung-ho patriots. Um, And they're also pretty independent minded. They're wary of authority. Uh, They very quickly bulldoze their Lieutenant Colonel. His name's Blake, who I think is their direct superior, right? Their most direct commanding officer. Yeah. Yeah. They kind of outwit him. They outsass him. 
ultimately, despite their nonconformity and heavy drinking, though, so they have these early tendencies like that, they work really hard and they work well. So they get this kind of unusual, uneasy respect. People really respect their work, but they're definitely not military conformist types. <laughs> so that's interesting. That's kind of their dynamic. Uh, they spend chapter two working, idling with poker and booze, which they enjoy a lot of both. And they are assigned to spend time in the pre-op ward. It's like a requirement of their jobs, though they refuse to do it because it kind of wastes time and is pointless. <laughs> so, you know, they're butting up against army regulation quickly. Um, there is a Major Dobson, who's another surgeon, who hates this. He wants them to like do this ritual and they won't duke then tackles him uh because they have a disagreement and a fight and then they are threatened with a discharge but ultimately aren't discharged and i think the other guy is so they get this other guy discharged or like moved is that right Yep, he's um, okay. sent to um, a different hospital stateside, I think. Yeah, so they, you know, get one over on this guy they don't like, who's a little bit stiff. I, I forgot what their argument was even about. What was it about? I don't, I don't recall. Um, I also don't remember. It, yeah. I know that they, he was upset um, that they tried to get him kicked out of... Uh, what they refer to as the the swamp where they yeah they take over this their um, barracks yeah yeah they take over a barracks against regulation again like they weren't assigned there <laughs> but they they swiftly and quickly you know demand that it be theirs I, do you like mm -hmm. these guys I, I mean I guess we've read the first half so it's a bit of a spoiler to ask that because we we know more about them obviously did you like their intro did you find them winning and charming and like fun I think they're I mean they're I think clearly meant to be. Yeah, they so um I thought that they were fun and that the fact that they um buck against useless regulation is definitely something that I think people don't realize happens actually uh, pretty often in military. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh so I you get more respect. So I think that these guys by by showing that they're not just uh people who go along with regulation and and stuff like that but will actually do something about it shows that they are you know actually logical and hardworking mm -hmm. and everything else so it's all the positive things so i think ultimately in the beginning we are supposed to like them even if sometimes they're their attitude might be like rough and tumble and everything like that that's also a very military Mm -hmm. And their humor is very military as well, as far as that goes. So, yeah. And the heavy drinking is just another way of coping. That's, that's definitely a coping mechanism that a lot of people have. Certainly. Yeah. Um, Response to trauma. Though, to be fair, they're doing exactly. it pre-trauma. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? uh, but, but then again, yeah, they do. They work hard. I think this yeah. interaction on 25 and 6, which I'll read briefly, kind of, to me, kicked off the characterization, and I think is, is pretty much the opening of the novel you need to understand. Uh, they're arguing with Blake, you know, about what they did and he yells you guys have had it he shouted purple face and suffused with military indignation i'm having you court-martialed henry said hawkeye i had nothing to do with it it was all dumb southern boy however i'll gladly participate in the consequences where do we get court-martialed tokyo or maybe san francisco san francisco hell you get court-martialed here and now you're both confined to the post for a month this is a summary court-martial and i've just held it but y'all can't the duke started to say look henry hawkeye said be reasonable i wouldn't know how to get off this post if i wanted to but i I'd like to keep it this way open in case they decide to make me Surgeon General of the United States. Me too, Duke said, and then the you know boss, Lieutenant Colonel, huffs off. 
it's kind of got a little bit of everything. It's got their total indifference to the structures. You know, they're, you've got a puffed mm-hmm. up military dude against their total lackadaisical nonconformity. You've got a mm-hmm. little bit of sarcasm, which they both trade in pretty often. And then you've also got this idea that they don't, you know, that they're ready to just kind of fuck off and they don't really care if they have to stay or go, which, yep. you know, I think is for the most part pretty charming. I will say, not to get ahead of our analysis, I'm still used to analyzing one chapter at a time. I think it plays itself out a bit by the halfway mark. Like I'm maybe getting a little tired of these, their charade circle, or I'm not sure what the term is, but it's sort of like they do the same, I don't know, patterns over and over. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it does, I think, start off pretty clearly and, you know, charmingly enough. Right. Yeah. I I think it's, yeah, it's the reason that the TV show was such a hit for such a long time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The, the humor and the, the, the workaround of superior officers and stuff. And military fiction like this seems, you know, it's not like I've encountered a lot of it. I feel like the military stuff I read, especially fiction, is heavy on intensity and really dark <laughs> and has just right. all kinds of thematic uh, brutality going on. This, I think, is, is has like kind of an essential place. It, it feels kind of interesting, fun to read this almost. Yeah, did you um did your copy have the forward? Yeah, but it? I always skip those cuz I'm wary that they're going to uh, kind of like tell me how to read. I love reading them at the end. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's like I, I'm wary of that kind of stuff cuz I like to I don't know, I'm not I'm not huge about spoilers in the current parlance, but I am huge about getting something analyzed for me before I get a chance. It's not so much like the Mm -hmm. plot of it, but I don't want to be told something's legacy or its importance or kind of what makes it, you know, memorable or good before I read it, I I guess, if that makes sense. So I'll read it at the end, you know? Yeah. It's, I mention it just because it's written by the author and he Mm. kind of explains what he was hoping to accomplish, but excellent. We can talk about that later. What about the intro <laughs> jumped out to you? Anything we missed? Um. So what I picked up on, and I don't know whether it's just me stretching and and trying to give um, this book more literary legitimacy or something, but <laughs> oh, yeah. I I saw that there was um, I picked up on almost like. The way that it's formatted, um, it's almost like an epic, set up like an epic, where we have Radar, who's like an oracle. He can, and we also see some of this later on, too. Um, so Radar O'Reilly, who has the big ears, he um, he can hear everything beforehand, and he, he almost has this, like, otherworldly ability to... Um, predict what Colonel Blake in particular wants from him. Um, And so he's kind of like an oracle at the beginning who's um, predicting that these two heroes are going to show up, right? And Mm -hmm. Hawkeye uh, Pierce in particular is like the big hero. And then um, as as, um, Hawkeye and the Duke go through um, journey from Seoul and into um, their new MASH unit. They go through several places, and one of the places has the prostitutes, and he refers to them as sirens. Um, which, yeah, yeah. Which was interesting to me. So I was like, oh, okay, so now I'm like trying to pay attention to whether there's other 
as I'm reading other we, references. We could put to, them in a Greek kind of tradition if you want to put them up in an Odyssey fashion. I mean, they're having a yeah. they're having an Odyssey like time because as we'll get to the ch- other chapters, they kind of just bump around from adventure to adventure. Um, and I yeah. it's been forever since I've encountered passages of the Odyssey. But it's not was is there like tremendous character growth in the Odyssey? I, I don't think so. I mean, it's all about survival testing limits you know like endurance but i don't think does does uh is it odysseus i mean yeah odysseus. Sense. <laughs> um yeah, not the trojan <laughs> war the other yeah does he yeah. kind of undergo <laughs> tremendous personal growth i don't it's not like a memory i have of no, that he kind of and this book doesn't no. seem like it's going to offer that either you know this book very right. much feels like we've got these archetypes let's set up some interesting people that will be fun and then let's chuck them against a bunch of scenarios and like Right. have fun with it so yeah um yeah no i think we should keep an eye on that analysis as we move forward i i hadn't i don't know if i picked up on that or i certainly hadn't picked up on it analytically i'm sure i noticed but that's a great thing to notice any any other tropes you're noticing or meaningful i don't know mythic things uh that's it for right now i'm i'm trying okay. to i'm trying to like probably by the end i'll have a better idea of of that is almost well, like a thesis. <laughs> we'll know that we've entered full ripoff territory if they have an encounter with a one-eyed person, because then they're going full Cyclops. Like a person who's got like an <laughs> yeah. eyeball shot out or ripped out or something, you know? Yep. Uh, then we'll know mm-hmm. what we're dealing mm-hmm. with. Um, let's mm-hmm. move on to chapters three and four then. Yeah. Um, so after Hobson leaves, the unit welcomes a new surgeon, uh, one who specializes in chest surgeries, um, mm-hmm. which is what Hawkeye and, and the Duke had requested. Uh, this new guy is an oddball who seems almost antisocial, but is a great surgeon, is the best surgeon. Um, Hawkeye eventually realizes he knows the surgeon, Trapper John. Mm-hmm. Trapper John McIntyre from college and the three roomies bond over martinis. Um, all three of them, by the way, were all football players, which I thought was very like strange. Very Americana <laughs> though. That's like yeah, super Americana American. military. Yeah. That, that feels correct to me in a, you know, with a cursory knowledge of history or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> We're also introduced to Father Mulcahy, who seems to have a kind of otherworldly ability to save the lives of those he's been asked to give the final rites to. Um, and Shaking mm-hmm. Sammy, the Protestant chaplain, however, repeatedly earns the scorn of the surgeons as he writes home letters for wounded soldiers without knowing the prognosis. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's gotten him in trouble a few times. Yeah, Eventually, brutal. the trio, yeah. <laughs> Eventually, the trio have enough and they kidnap nap Sammy, put him on a crucifix and pretend to douse him in gasoline and throw fire at him in front of Father Mulcahy. But ultimately, they don't get in trouble for it. You know, they're just dudes having fun. Just guys being dudes, man. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I have to think that if you don't like pranking, that this novel will be, it will disconnect in such cold ways because it's a lot of pranks. (laughs) Yep, yep. And some of it seems like a little cruel, like that in particular, where he thinks, like, everybody thinks that they're actually going to set this dude on fire, but actually it was just, you know, water. But Mm -hmm. still. (laughs) Yeah, they do another life or death prank later, too. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, But what I I liked about uh, these chapters is... um, and what I like, I think in particular about the way that um, Richard Hooker writes is I just, I love the way that he characterizes each person. He's, it's not, 
everybody has something that is so memorable about them that you it's easy to keep track of who is who. And there's like a little anecdote for each yeah. person so that you can very easily remember why they have that nickname. Um, Trapper John, I love his description where it's like he's just a walking turtle where all he does is like stick his face out to drink a beer occasionally. Yeah, and- it's a great line. <laughs> I pulled it. That's what I pulled, too. I'm 31. It is a clever little line. At breakfast, another can of beer materialized from the recesses of the parka and once open disappeared back into it, which is... Yeah, it's a maybe, maybe a little bit more ominous than it, it's a it's a humorous image. It's very funny and like you know sets him up as kind of closed off, mysterious. Um, but I, I did quite enjoy his intro. I will say I I don't really have evidence ready for this, but I have to at least just say my disagreement out loud because I could not tell Duke and Hawkeye apart to save my life like many times in the story. It, they have like uh. equivalent levels of sass and wit. And they and they even so often talk over each other in agreement, like that quote I read from before about the Surgeon General thing. Like mm-hmm. the, immediately, the other guy's like, "Hey, me too." I feel like they build on each other. A trapper, though, I can tell him apart from the other two. So I, I have struggled to pull those two apart sometimes in some scenes. Yeah, with uh, Duke and Hawkeye, I think they're meant to be. Um, they enter the novel very similar yeah, that way too. Yeah, and the only difference really being that one is from New England and the other is from the South, and the Duke yeah. is very much like always talking smack about Yankees and stuff totally, like that. Totally, totally. Uh, <laughs> um, but the I think for me the biggest difference between the two of them is that Hawkeye is the one who initiates everything. Yes. So he more to bold. me is the f- yeah, he is. And he's the one who's kind of the leader. He's like he would be the Odysseus and the others are are along for the ride and they agree with him and that's why they they back him up and stuff. But Hawkeye is definitely the one to to lead the charge in a lot of ways. Yeah, totally. I think I think the character work has been strong. I think by the end of chapter 9, spoiler analysis, I'm a little unmoved by what the characters are kind of I don't think they're going to change. I don't really need them to, but I I just wonder if there's going to be a little bit more inventiveness from the scenarios they're put into, I I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, Though it Mm -hmm. has been strange. I think on 38, we get the clearest summary of their moral backbone, though you already nailed the summary. Um, The nurse gives them the letter about how the you know the chaplain told the, told the family a son was coming home and when he was dead because he was, got sloppy and of course the next cu- two sentences very brisk they escorted shaking Sammy out of the hospital and as he left they shot all four of his tires uh, of his jeep with their 45s that was the last of shaking Sammy for a while and that kind of concise justice I think uh, to bring back an old analytical idea motif we've used before but this book would be an interesting read of justice because i think we're getting a little wild west out of these guys i think you could also read this book as kind of like playing with all the wild west character types and ideas and then you know in a brand new setting um some would say for the super far west (laughs) i guess i don't know (laughs) anyway um and i yeah i thought that That makes sense with their names yeah, and I thought that moment was just quite meaningful. I mean, there's other moments where they make their morality pretty clear, but that is, I like the the quickness of the narrative there because that that is how they'd prefer to deal with basically everything. Like, yeah. get with the program, we're running the swamp, or just fuck off. Is is kind of the vibe. Yeah, the um, I, I like the Wild West um, analysis there because when it, the names are very much like 
Trapper, Hawkeye, the Duke, which is a reference, obviously, to John Wayne. Like, I mean, you can't get more Western than that, right? Mm-hmm. No, definitely not. Definitely not. Hawkeye. That's great. Yeah. Anything else from this section? What do you think? Um... I was just like, what did, What were your thoughts on, like, the, the crucifix scene with Shaking Sammy? I was just like, whoa, where did that come from? Yeah. And, like, I, well, I was just, like, blown away by that. I was, it, It's an escalation I for sure. <laughs> I, think, I think in terms of what the novel, how it wants to present their form of intellect, which is, you know, it's like it's used frequently, but never for the purpose you might think or never in the application you might expect. <laughs> um, and so it's kind of like they obviously concocted a very specifically cruel thing for this person to endure. You know, and it has the irony, of course, of using religious imagery against him and all that kind of stuff. I don't I don't know if I read it in any kind of profoundly meaningful way other than just a character escalation, like not only showing the extent they'll go to defend their morality, but also showing the extent they'll go to, uh, yeah, just kind of like show that they're that they're quick, you know, being like, look at, see, we, we, we did this with this little motif in there, too. It's it, it, the book definitely wants to award them both. I don't know. It's like intensity, but also aloofness. It's yeah, it kind of plays like that, maybe a little bit. Yeah, and it's. Um, I I also thought it was strange that they that the characters were offering Shaking Sammy as a human sacrifice to Father Mulcahy to say thanks for mm-hmm. it, the the almost like mystical magic that he has to bring these people back after delivering the last rites for them um i I was just like (laughs) you're gonna you're gonna pretend to murder somebody as thanks for uh saving people's lives as is (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) just Mm -hmm. didn't make sense to me (laughs) yeah yeah no definitely did it change (laughs) did this chapter change or progress how you read the characters at all in any you know significant way no um it really didn't, uh, because I knew that, like, for the Duke especially, I, he's the one who kind of spearheaded that movement, and he felt betrayed, I know, because he is Protestant, and he's the one who decided to try, like, give Shaking Sammy more credit and, and try to have Shaking Sammy kind of, like, redeem himself, and then he didn't. And so he felt betrayed by not just the person but also by almost like the fact that his religion isn't um, holding up as well against the Catholic religion in this in the in in the OR anyway, as mm-hmm. far as their superstitions go. So um, I think it was more for the Duke and it shows a I think a more spiteful side of the Duke, it which does. I'm not really. Yeah, yeah, I'm not that surprised by. Yeah, I I wonder if by the end of this book, the most interesting essay question would be, are these good or bad people? (laughs) Yeah. Because I I do feel it is more of a toss-up than I, I don't know, maybe expected, but sometimes it's hard for me to tell if I'm just being too judgmental 
you know. Mm-hmm. Let's mm-hmm. move to five and six here, chapters five and six. This is when we are introduced to the best dentist in Korea, the painless Pole, whose name is Pole is in Polish. <laughs> uh, his name is, which uh, I, I admit, with the titles, I had to pause for a second to be like, uh-oh, secret slur? Okay, no, I'm good. <laughs> uh, so just to, just to make sure. Anyway, um, Captain Walter Wald- Waldowski. Um, he's friendly, popular, and most crucially for this part of the story, which, you know, talk about, let's talk about some 1950s masculinity, Amanda. He's hung. What a, what a great penis oh, he yeah. has. Any thoughts on his great hog, his amazing <laughs> dong? What are there other, any other terms for penis we want to say? Uh, I, I think he covered it. <laughs> I wouldn't, and I wouldn't normally go on about it, but it's literally the crux of the story. So it's, it's talked about for pages about how it's the pride of the army people go out of their way to come see him shower they just want to see mm-hmm. his, his enormous dick the other <laughs> the, the problem here is then what he suffers from depressive episodes which he has and reveals to hawkeye and duke that he's going to commit suicide which apparently is something he threatens kind of often or when he has a, a moment uh and the kind of motivating factor it seems is that they don't want to lose this man's dick like it's explicitly said by a character like we can get another dentist but we can't lose this guy's dick <laughs> So, yeah. uh, so because of that and his, you know, kindness, I guess, they do devise a plan to trick him out of doing it. Um, I, I'll be honest, the ending of this plan was baffling to me, so I'll try and summarize. It doesn't really matter. Like, they succeed, of course. Of course they succeed. They're clever, and they're going to win all the time, yada, yada. Um, but the plan roughly involves tricking him. He thinks he's taking a suicide pill, but it's a sleeping pill. At the end of the plan, again, makes no sense to me. They, like, have him parachute down from a helicopter to simulate that he like fell back to earth or something i maybe he like fell from heaven i don't know either way he wakes up and is like hey things are fine uh, something weird happened okay and it works of course it's gonna work that's all this whole book's gonna work and uh that's the his story uh, in chapter six we meet the rival of hawkeye pierce whose name is frank burns he does not take responsibility for his failings though he's also the book lays out like pretty clearly that he's pretty competent like and pretty good at stuff uh, as a surgeon but he really likes to you know push the responsibility around and does not take ownership something that these you know couple americans uh, hate very much hawkeye especially hates him um he gets hit like literally punched by both Haw- hawkeye and trapper john at different moments for you know being a being a coward basically and not owning up to things and so they plot against him and he also is plotting against them there's a new woman in the story uh, major nurse Houlihan, who i think is the first woman right in the story mm-hmm. yep. so she's there she really likes the the traditional frank burns you know stuck up you know military dude anyway um hawkeye kind of taunts burns into throwing a coffee pot at him which is noticed by their superior and because of that act of violence He's caught in the act of it, too. He gets reassigned to a stateside hospital. So they they cause enough trouble and rile him up and also get him kicked out. Interesting that the coffee pot is a stateside offense, but getting punched in the face twice is not. Thoughts? Uh, This is where I wouldn't say the characters start to fall apart a little bit, but I think this was the moment when I was like, these shenanigans are, I don't really think they're doing much. They're not as, they're certainly weird, but I don't think they're interesting, if that kind of juxtaposition makes sense. Like, I don't. And I started to question them more. Like, I, I think these are the chapters where I started to question if this was, like, a fun ride, if that yeah. makes sense. It does. So that was also my note was, like, what is the difference between the violence against Frank versus Frank's violence against Hawkeye? Um, 
and ultimately it comes down to two things. One is that um, Colonel Blake actually witnesses Frank doing it. He didn't witness Frank getting. Yeah, it's all hearsay, right? It's in. all tell, right. tell on me, tell on me. They they bring that up in a different, I think, a different chapter too, where it's like they keep getting complaints about these guys, but can't prove anything. Kind of a feeling, right? Um, the other thing is that the reason for the actions are are very different. So Frank attacked Hawkeye because Hawkeye was taunting him about... um, Sleeping with the nurse, yeah. Exactly. Whereas he got punched in the face because he made some terrible decisions that negatively affected um, one of the, the guys that was helping out. He, like, accused the guy of killing... Yes. The patient... Yeah, which was him. not true. Right. Yeah, absolutely, just destroyed that guy. So he got punched in the face for that, and the other one um, also had to deal with like some kind of incompetence where he made like a, a terrible decision or something like that, and which put totally. other people in danger. So he's he has he's like a competent doctor, but he's also so arrogant that he doesn't actually like take the time to really diagnose properly which is one of the issues that they have with him is that he's not a good enough doctor yeah Um, yeah if you're affecting other people negatively and you're not doing work i mean that's the backbone of these characters is that they do good work like that is the and maybe that maybe that's the kind of american spirit you know work your way like it's all about the work like i i think this is a satire of some things in america too but that seems like Mm -hmm. kind of the backbone of their morality as well maybe like the other back but or the other bone is like they will be good at their job that's critical if they weren't then this story would kind of crumble yeah, and they're they're also very actually compassionate people. Like the reason that they mm-hmm. were so upset with shaking Sammy is because he was ultimately giving false information about these <clears throat> soldiers who who were dying and sending false hope to the families and stuff like that. Like it's just yeah, they yeah. morally they are superior in a lot of ways. And also for Hawkeye, like Burns, Frank Burns is the complete opposite of Hawkeye, where Hawkeye comes from a very poor background and worked right. his way through college and everything. Frank Burns is handed everything. He's from a rich family. He um inherits his own practice from his dad and stuff totally. like that. So um yeah, so it's very much I think that the difference between the treatment of the two, why Frank Burns was kicked out was ultimately because he, it was merit-based. It was the, the idea of like everything in the military is, is merit-based. You, you progress well when you actually do well and not just say that you're doing well or you expect to do well. So, yeah, kind of an idealized version. There's an interaction that summarizes yeah. this well too on 60. And I thought it was a good, I thought it actually was a good characterization of the new Burns, who we don't really know well when we're introduced to him. Um, Within the prescribed 24 hours following the new nurse's arrival, Major Houlihan made a point of seeking out the boss of each shift and attempting to discuss nursing problems with him. Captain Burns was in starch fatigues in his most gracious mood, but he mentioned several nurses whose performance was inadequate and made a variety of suggestions for improvement. The Major was quite impressed with Captain Burns. And, of course, Hawkeye is like, I'm not criticizing anybody. We all do our best. It's fine. Uh, and so I think there's an interesting ideal in there about 
what leadership should be. And this book mm-hmm. is, I think, presenting a form of leadership that is incredibly laissez-faire as long as the motivation is right. You know, it's like you can fail, but be honest and be upfront and fail forward, you know? And it's just, right. there's a, this is a different version of leadership, which is always be critical, make sure your appearances are good, even if you're not doing well, like kind of not fake it till you make it because he can do, you know, fine work, but definitely put on a face. Um, and I thought that, yeah, that introduces the nurse to so concisely. It's just like, ah, yes, the, the criticisms, uh, the starched outfit, this is good. <laughs> so I yeah. kind of enjoyed that yeah. setup. Yeah, that's a good way to put that. Yeah, definitely. Anything else from this section? Things to read into? Uh, nope. Not that I picked up on. Excellent. No, and I think we nailed the morality. Nothing on, um, did you have anything? Oh, no, it is the first chapter, the painless poll, the depressive episode. Uh, oh, yeah. Anything in that? Can, can you truly explain what the end of that prank was about? I really did not get it. Like, did, did they want to make him feel like he was falling from heaven? I don't understand <laughs> the end of the prank. Uh I think that it was just to to make him <clears throat> like as he's falling he doesn't realize I guess that because they right before they push him out is when they like give him that final adrenaline shot so that yeah, he wake wakes him up, up while he's falling. Yeah, totally. I think that's I think it's meant to <clears throat> help him realize that he actually doesn't want to die. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is funny cuz um, I thought earlier in the prank when they present him with his coffin and he clearly like starts to question and get a little panicky like it becomes a little yeah. too real and materialized in front of his face and they kind of you know yeah. they joke about it they're just kind of like ah it's fine old buddy we'll fit you in there we'll stuff you in there like they're so gung-ho about it obviously not really but i thought that was a more clever moment or kind of a more subtle i don't know psychological moment that that worked and the ending just kind of blew it over the top uh, We'll get to that in a second with the golfing thing, but I was just like, I think maybe some of this book <laughs> is going to go a touch too big. I don't know, and it's almost like the I don't know, it's like the style doesn't live up to it or something. I'm not sure what the disconnect is, and I'll think more about it. But yeah, no other thoughts on that that episode. Uh, nope. Excellent. Let's, oh, and, uh, yeah. The uh, the obsession with um, the painless poles uh, member gigantic Naturally. member. Ooh, member. Good. That's, that was a new one. I didn't say that one. <laughs> That um that apparently I was like talking to my husband about that who was in the navy and um he's like yeah that's very military like <laughs> mm-hmm. I could see I it so I mean you know you put a bunch of guys being dudes together um military branch is obviously a predominantly dude run affair for you know thousands of years or whatever <laughs> anyway but you you shove a bunch of those people together and it's funny too because I'm trying to think back on the last time that would have been a unironic topic of conversation for me this is very anecdotal obviously but it must have been high school and you know who's in the yeah. military except for 18 year olds right and then like seasoned right some seasoned peeps Enlisted. but like you're shoving a lot yeah. of 18 to 22 year olds together so <laughs> and giving yeah. them a lot of stress yeah. and trauma so that and it, exactly and it's all like you know you're separated by gender at the very beginning yeah, too yeah. when you're going through the, the schools so there's no question yeah. there was a time in my life that had I learned I culturally though we've kind of moved away from showering together like in high school it wasn't done in college we had stall like that wasn't that's not a thing that's maybe still military though barracks and, and all that resources mm-hmm. but it definitely was not a part of my life that I think would be 
a little generationally strange but you know if like if it got around that one of my friends at some point in my life had had this huge uh, you know benefit i i'm sure we would have jo- <laughs> i'm certain we i would have joked about it and, and have made similar jokes so it's it wasn't so beyond disbelief i guess i don't know i'm not sure what the disconnect is there because you know young men doing these things saying these things it's it's all very much in play um I don't know, maybe some of the way that played with the depressive stuff feels strange. Do you do you think the book will deal in such serious issues again? Is that? I think so. I think that yeah. it, it's going to. I mean, even in the next chapter, we see like the the death toll and the the casualty toll and stuff like that. I, I think that yeah, yeah, it, it'll touch on it, but try to alleviate it with some humor. Of course, as it is. Or as it does. Let's move to the final three chapters, which we're gonna we're gonna group into one here, seven, eight, nine. So take it away. Yeah, um, we're introduced to Hojan, the Korean houseboy for the swamp, um, which is where they live, and Hawkeye's personal project. Um, after being drafted into the Rock Army and sustaining a severe chest wound, the Swamp Boys get Hojun into Hawkeye's college by having Trapper John. They they raise money by having Trapper John perform some. Christ-like feats for cash um, such because a, he... Such a bizarre thing. Probably the weirdest so <laughs> yeah. far. Made no sense. I just can't understand it. We'll get to it, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, he grows out his beard and his hair and um, is likened to Jesus Christ. Um, another soldier, the son of a congressman, is severely injured in the chest and flown to Japan and naturally the congressman demands that Trapper be the surgeon because he's the best. Mm-hmm. So he and Hawkeye fly to Japan Japan um, with their golf clubs um, and run into an old friend of Hawkeye's, Mile Marston. Um, mm-hmm. After treating the soldier and getting in some golf, the guys save the life of a newborn civilian um, who was born in one of the, the uh, brothels. And um, Hawkeye convinces Marston to adopt the baby. Um, and get him out of there. So they are then called back to Korea because of the Great Deluge. Um, a push at the front results in a number of casualties for two or three weeks that really strained the MASH unit and and just sleepless nights and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, they somehow make it through the chaos and at the end of the chapter finally get some sleep. Another, you know, representation of how they they truly care. Even when they yeah. joke, you know, that's that kind of morality, if we want to keep calling it that, comes up again, right? Shines through again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Above all else, right? They're doing good work. They are. I mean, they, um, so with the the baby, um, they again are dealing with um, a superior officer who is a rule follower and likes to be somebody who pushes the rules and so they push back on that and one of the rules of course is like you don't use military resources on civilians that are not like directly involved in the war in some way yeah supposed to be more egalitarian right so instead of just letting the baby like suffer and and die they diagnose the baby they know what's wrong with the baby and bring the baby in and save the baby's life. And the way that they do that is they enlist the help of a British colonel to um, 
kind of blackmail, like trick and blackmail. Yeah. The commanding, the American commanding officer. Um, so it, the, the antics there again are just a showcase for like how their hearts are in the right place and how they're, um, they're not heartless people who just go around pranking everybody. They, they seem to have like ideals and, and are very much, um, they very much care even like with complete strangers. They just really care. Yeah. It's, it's really the crux of the whole, the whole dang tootin' darn tootin' thing <laughs> for them. Yeah. I think so much of it yeah. comes back to that too. It really does. Um, even yeah. when they're doing like really questionable, bizarre things, should we start mm-hmm. with the, should we start with the Jesus prank? I don't, I, that's like my number one note from this section. I, I yeah. fundamentally, is my brain cell phone broken? Because just the idea <laughs> that a clearly fake photograph that is not played for humor, that's the thing that got me. If, if there was some line and maybe I missed it, honestly, cause some of their, cause some of their sarcastic banter, it can, if you don't take time with it it can miss you maybe (laughs) but anyway there's no line about how it's like this is a joke or we're clearly doing a joke version of christ like they don't do something funny with it like make him eat some bread or do something i don't there's just no laugh to it they're clearly pulling at what they think is a sincere it's not a swindle it's like a sincere they're offering a service. How did you read it? Was sincerity? Was it? Fu- I mean, the idea of it's funny, but then it also makes no sense why anyone pays. And of course, we'll say this a million times probably as this book wraps up. It's tremendously successful. These guys literally do not have a bad idea. Everything they do works. <laughs> Everything is going to work. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, wh- how do? What did you think of this? Do you think it was funny, interesting, like commentary? I I thought that it was them. Um, not taking it seriously and and very much making it a joke, but one of those jokes where, almost like British humor, like dry jokes. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so it's like they they were selling pictures. He's obviously he's obviously not Jesus, but they they knew that it's autographed. Come on, it is autographed. That's like it that's, is autographed. That's satire against the stupidity of military people. That's like, that's like, be. I don't even know if that's funny. That to me is like not crossing a moral line. Like I'm not offended by this in even one percent of the way. But it's just kind of like, is that even funny? I, I don't know. It was. It was meant to be. I think more like. Um, so when he signed it, yeah, he signed it as like, you know, Jesus, but they only sold it to the people in the mash units who already all liked Trapper John and liked the guys. Yeah. And so they, they did it as a joke and they were like, and, and Hawkeye even said like, even if they, you know, don't want a picture of like Jesus necessarily, they'll want a picture of Trapper to remember him and to like think about like how silly these I, guys no, were. I've, I've got to fight you on this. I've got to fight you on this because I hated this so much. Um, I just <laughs> thought this was such a mess of a joke. All right, two things. The first is on seventy four. This is who they sold. They visited medical corps collecting stations, battalion aid stations, artillery units, and other outfits. Like surely that's mm-hmm. not people they all have met. It's not, but it started out that way. And then but later, to get the money, they do it to every like it goes mm-hmm. way beyond that. And, yeah, and they also do like the, the Mississippi where he, dudes. He, 
where he yeah, where yeah. he puts up the the cross and and the the dudes are like upset that he's taking like a sip of what, it, it was a beer. Yeah, <laughs> it does on seventy three to cut against my own my own take. Um, Hawkeye does say about this. He basically lays out the plan. He says, maybe not red, but we got to get some money. The idea is crazy, but there are a lot of screwballs in, the, in an army. Trapper's picture will sell, and a lot of people will buy them for laughs and souvenirs. It won't hurt anybody, and it's a good cause. All we got to do is work out the details. So, yeah, I think it is played... I, I don't know. I guess I wish it, they would have had more fun with it then. It's such... It's only... Like, basically, the perspectives we get is, we're doing this for a noble cause, which he just said, and then they mm-hmm. have the one priest friend who kind of panics and is like, this is sacri- This is wrong. This is sacrilege. Like, I don't know. Like, show more people having fun with it then or getting... A, I, I'm not sure. I just... This is just another example of, like, a goof that... I, it just didn't land for me. It didn't feel that goofy. Yeah, it's absurd, but not goofy. I, I wish I, ke- I know I keep juxtaposing the words like that, but it just it's like clearly objectively weird. But I didn't like laugh at it, if that makes sense. It does. Yeah. And I think absurd is the correct word there. Yeah, that might be right. All right. I cut you off there. Sorry. What were you saying before I read the the units quote? No, that was that was. That oh, was that, it. It's oh, just that oh they, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That was my point was that they were being perhaps not silly but like the kind of humor that it was was meant it was meant to be humorous it was not meant to be taken seriously yeah oh until the mississippi guys then it's you know right then we're out of there (laughs) which (laughs) maybe you know what like and again i'm in editor brain mode because my brain's broken maybe you do a page with them with some banter and i'd be like okay yeah like then we're actually like you get some religious jokes in there or some maybe some double entendre about like faith and all that like they get then they get to make some jokes about Trapper John maybe actually being the the savior. I like there's just ways to play that humor out and instead it's I think part of what's going to infuriate me about this book by the end is that these dudes will never fail and they're the ultimate competent smart smart Alex. Like which is fun mm-hmm. for a little while but I think is going to I mean it's already grating on me you can tell. <laughs> but I think yeah, in the end yeah. that's just going to like if the things they're doing aren't ultra interesting or unique or airtight I think it my brain is just going to lunge to attack it because I'm just so tired of like the same conclusions, you know, but mm-hmm. I, you know, it's, it's just the kind of story it is. Uh, what else from this section jumped out? So we wrap up. Um, I liked, um, from page 65 when they get into, uh, I think it's when they get into Japan and they're interacting with the nurse. Um, yeah. and, they say, nice club you've got here, honey, said Hawkeye. Where's the pro shop? What? She said. What time's the bar open? Trapper said. What? She said. You got any caddies available? What? Look, honey, don't keep saying what. You say yes instead. That's right. And you'll be surprised how many friends you'll make this man in this man's army. Yes. That's better. So where's the x-ray department? Yes. Um, so that's an example of some of the, like, one-liner humor that we get yeah, from yeah. from here. And, and I actually do quite enjoy that. Which may not be for everybody. I, I totally get that. And I also like, I like that each chapter is, it ends with like a kind of joke scene where there's some kind of joke interwoven into the very end of each chapter. Definitely. It's just a nice, because the chapters, I mean, you get some descriptions like the medical procedures and stuff like that which can get real heavy and and like not heavy as in like you're just bogged down like you're watching an episode of like i I don't know 
some kind of medical show or any, I mean, he does use technical terms and he does explain, Richard Herker does explain, um, some medical terminology and actual procedures because he was he was a doctor. Yeah, it goes into it um, sometimes. We haven't. I think yeah. stylistically, that stuff is not. He hasn't really played that up for jokes, right? So it's like maybe if he would yeah, have attempted something a little bit more with it, I would have. But it's kind of just yeah, like you said, like pretty clearly narrated, directional. Hey, we did this to that, which cured this, and we had to remove. Like it's yeah, it's it's well done. It's clear. It's like directions almost. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's like directions and um but these are very serious injuries that he's describing. I mean, like the one scene where the guy like he had uh Hawkeye had to put his finger on his inside of a wound to keep it from like squirting yeah. blood everywhere. Yeah. Like um but in the end, like at the end of the scene there's there's a joke to to Yeah. To kind of balance that out i guess and and i and i actually like the jokes at the end i think the chapters you're right they, he sticks with it which you gotta admire that's the only way right commit to the to the mm-hmm. premise try and wrap with something fun i think you nailed it mm-hmm. earlier too you mentioned this sort of one-liner delivery the characters kind of bounce off them the, it, yeah. right before you read the quote with the the secretary doing that they they did it with the person driving them because he just kept saying yeah. yeah they're they're jokily debating are they, should we go cure this kid or should we play golf first like are we hitting 18 or are we gonna sew this kid up and of course the guy is taking them dead seriously and he just keeps saying goddamn yeah. army he's like you goddamn yeah. army people goddamn it goddamn <laughs> army and they're like well you know we could beat the sun and maybe we won't get to, I don't, they don't talk about sunburn but the things like that it's <laughs> yeah it's a charming couple scenes um shall we ignore i think that's is that the second woman we've met the secretary the dunce should we i mean <laughs> i'm not really sure what the reading is other than uh this story does not really care about having women in it i think is pretty clear to say yeah well the third one is the nurse that hawkeye actually does respect right like in the in chapter nine. Oh, does um, she what's her name i may i may have forgot her that's on me uh her she's like the complete opposite of um Hulahan. Um, her name is Captain Bridget McCarthy. She's on oh, page 83 in my book. I didn't... Oh, wait, hold on. You're saying in Chapter 9? Yep, Chapter Yo, 9. Yo, I did not read Chapter 9. I messed up. Oh. Uh. <laughs> I only made it through 8. Never mind. I just realized uh, this. Well, well, JK, I will not talk about it then. <laughs> no, that's totally fine. I, I just realized, because yeah. mine ends on 218, and my Chapter 9 starts on 102, so I should have read 9, and I just didn't. I stopped at nine. Uh, failed my yeah. own. Failed my own test of math and just basic common sense. <laughs> you, lo- you do love to it's see all it. Good. Yeah, you do love to see it. Um, okay, well then I will retract my comment and let's um, let's see let's see what he can do with a woman in the army or you know in the military corps or uh, not medical corps. Sorry. Any other yeah. thoughts on the golfing scenes? Uh, nope. So I'll either leave this in or cut it. What's going to be more offensive if I make you give your thoughts on the Korean houseboy or if I just give mine and then don't let you give yours? <laughs> you have nothing you want to say about this? No reading? Um, no, it, it didn't affect you and touch you in any manner? It's just whatever? Um, I'm not surprised by it. I mean, yeah. that's... It was the times, like, the houseboys... I mean, he comes from an impoverished background because there's some interesting little tidbits about korea in there that's kind of what i meant i think the narrative itself and what they do with him there's not much to be 
modern day or 1950s offended by it's like they genuinely support his mission they believe and trust him he work he's a hard worker who is intelligent like it's not there's not even really stereotypes to it right because it's too broad to be stereotype if that makes sense but mm-hmm. there's some interesting yeah. little stuff about what he's fr- where he's from what his family does like his general prospects the that they made these people conscript them into the army for hell like i don't know anyway there were a few topics in there we obviously i was joking but we don't have to talk about any of it i was just curious if any yeah. of it jumped out or if you're like oh that was you know um also this we can also cut did your parents not meet during the korean war no my, it's so funny actually my, my dad is quite young um gotcha. he was stationed in korea during because okay. there's still yeah there's still gotcha. um several military bases but yeah the uh, during the actual korean war yeah he would have been like he wasn't even I was going to say, because so. be, today he would be like 95, so that makes total sense. Okay. Yeah, my, my grandfather is 97, um, turning 98 this year, and he he was, yeah, very much alive Excellent. That, so. Okay. Well, maybe I'll leave this in then just as a, you know, little update factoid for the listeners, but okay. I was just, yeah, I wasn't <laughs> sure if any of that jumped out. I also don't think it was the most, like, interesting or remarkable subplot going on. <laughs> it was, you know, it, it was whatever. The descriptions of um, the poverty are really spot on. Okay, um, yeah. like the the mud the mud and straw huts. Um, especially, um, they drive through um, at the beginning. They drive through a town called Wijambu, mm-hmm. which is um, one of the the towns that's like butted up next to um, an army base. Um, even now, okay, um, an American army base, and even like. My dad was stationed there, and even when he was there in the 80s, Wijambu um, was not overly developed. It was it was very, very much like a small town, like impoverished and everything like that. But then, but now, because when I lived in Korea, I visited Wijambu with my dad when he came to visit. And that was, that, um, I mean, not recent, like, I, it was recent enough. It's, you know. Yeah, it was like a decade yeah, ago. Yeah, it's, it's recent. Um, the they the town has like really grown, and there's a lot of like infrastructure there now, and there's um, an open market out there now. It's it's okay. getting to be more of like what you would expect from um, larger towns in Korea. But but the descriptions yeah. of the poverty and of the the housing and stuff like that. It, for that time are really spot on after you know talking to my grandfather and stuff it was just like everybody was poor and mm-hmm. <laughs> because the japanese had had just left and the japanese were the ones that got to eat the food and got to live in the nice houses and mm-hmm. and all that stuff so it's like everybody else is like if you're korean you're you know you're trash so all right. they would they they did not have a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A history that, meh, I don't know how many of our listeners would know those, kind of those conflicts, those struggles, conditions. It's also, yeah. can we really think of a country, and this is, I'm going big geopolitics, you know, capital L liberal with this claim. Has there really been a country in the past 70 years that has transformed economically more than Korea? Like, I don't. Maybe not. <laughs> so it's also strange because, you know, you think of Korea, Seoul, um, certain companies, kind of what, what Korea is like if I were to take a vacation next week there. Um, 
that was not wartime Korea. Like there were, it's right. I, yeah. So anyway, I know that's really broad strokes, but I, yeah. So I thought some of that characterization, some of those details, it's also worth pointing out final thought on this. There, there's really no setting work in this book. <laughs> it's not like the yeah. book is interested in being like, Hey, what's living in Korea? Like, you know, it's cold and hot and you live in a tent and you just, you're doing your job. Like it's not, they're not adventuring. It's not very much about Korea per se. So mm-hmm. any, any little snippets jumped out. I, I, I at least remembered clearly those sections being like, ooh, are we going to, can we see his hometown? Are we going to like meet other Korean people? And and no, you know, the book is not concerned about those things. So yeah, anyway, right. just anything, <laughs> anything to jump on. Um, and no final thoughts yeah. on those chapters or? Uh, nope, no, I'm good. good. Okay. Let's move to our ending segments then. We always end part one, uh, book clubs part one, with the same couple of segments. Let's do our list first. So we're going to create a little list of top threes. Just, you know, have some fun and who doesn't love ranking stuff. You made the list, Amanda, <laughs> so I'll have you kick it off. Do we, we go three to one, is it? Yep. Yeah, why not? Yep, Build up the, uh-huh. the drama. Um, yeah, take it away. What, what's the <laughs> list and start us with yours. Uh, so I said the top three examples of slang, medical or otherwise, yes. um, that I had never heard before. Um, this was written in the 60s, so there you have it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And we will refrain from, I mean, I put the warnings yeah. in, but it's not like we pulled anything like that, man. It's, yeah, yeah we're cool. I specifically <laughs> did not. We're cool in that, sp- <laughs> you know, we're, we're uncool in many ways, but in that specific way, yeah, we'll be fine. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Um, so my number three was Sky Pilot, um, mm, yeah. which is a reference to the chaplain to a preacher. Yeah, pretty good. Priest. Pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> I love that one. I, I also chose a, a religious one for my three, which is Bead Jiggler, which is what they call mm-hmm. him because it's a reference to Rosary Breed and a, and a priest. They, they do come up with nicknames for seemingly most peoples around them. Yeah, maybe not. Yeah. Maybe not the unique individuals, but you know, like the jobs or the titles, all that stuff. Yeah, both pretty funny. Right, like the actions and behaviors that are done. Yeah, yeah. Um, my number two was to set a hen. I don't remember this. Which I was like, yeah, this is um, Houlihan and Burns. So to set a hen is a reference to like get getting it on. Oh, <laughs> whoa! I completely forgot about that or did not notice yeah. it. Wow. I mean they. In those sections, they're making so many. They're ribbing them so much about it that I, I surely overlooked more than just that one because they they're kind of relentlessly teasing them about it. Since right. since they know they're being plotted against, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Here's I think when when I read the prompt, I only remembered two off the top of my head and bead jiggler I had to go find. So number two I actually remembered, which is a gas passer, which is what he calls the anesthesiologist in the mm-hmm. I believe when they're treating the congressman's son. And yeah, that's yeah. I mean Obviously, passing gas might not mean what it, it did then to now or something, but it's just <laughs> yeah. a little juvenile humor I enjoyed. I'm not above any of it. <laughs> <laughs> my uh, my number one was Mackerel Snapper. I also did <laughs> not remember, is... so yeah, hit me with it. Um, it stuck out to me. My dad is uh, was raised Roman Catholic, and so a Mackerel Snapper is a Roman Catholic because... Um, and I had to look it up because I asked my dad about it. Sure. My dad was like, I've never been called that before. Well, <laughs> um, first time for everything then, buddy. <laughs> the old macro snapper. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's because on Fridays, you're not supposed to eat meat. So, But the only yeah. meat you can eat is, is fish. Yep. So mackerel is a, is a type of fish. So, yeah. 
That's why I, I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> I of all people should know this because Wisconsin has a rich tradition of Friday fish fries from the, for that exact same reason. So it's like oh. I was not raised Catholic at all. Uh, we were went to Presbyterian Church, which doesn't do any of that food stuff has none of those traditions but like everybody in wisconsin can tell you catholics don't eat meat on fridays because friday fish fry Mm -hmm. is huge culturally they're huge it's like an institution in wisconsin so yeah big deal big deal my number one and it's funny i refuse to look it up which shows you my maybe lazy methodology here but i remembered it (laughs) immediately when i read this it was one of the only ones i could think of off the top they wanted a medical device, and they were trying to get the lieutenant colonel to get it. And I, they, it's it's basically something that helps them with chest-based surgeries because they they're not very skilled at those yet. It's either mm-hmm. is it called like the chest ripper or the cage ripper? I just remember reading it and thinking like, oh god, what a brutal! <laughs> it's like a brutal medical term. <laughs> it seems like the kind of dark medical humor you'd get into if you're doing you know surgeries all day. Um, do you remember this yeah. term? No, I don't remember the term I, and I itself, couldn't find it either. Yeah. I, you know, I looked for a minute or two, but when I went back over things and couldn't find it, I just figured I'd say it off the memory. But there is some kind of yeah. term in there for it that's pretty grim and, yeah, kind of intense. But they, hey, they, they need it, right? Get them, get them the ripper. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I know that they refer to doctors as cutters. Yes. A very practical, very yeah. simple way to say it. <laughs> very, very, you know, to yeah. the point. Very direct. So, yeah, <laughs> that's for that's for sure. All right, uh, that's our list. It was a fun one to make. Let's um, yeah. move to the final segment then of all, which is please continue make it stop. It is just what it sounds like. We'll each offer one criticism and one compliment. So something we'd like the work to keep doing. Something we'd like to make stop. Amanda, your pick. So why don't you start us off e- either direction. I'll start with my make it stop. So I'm yeah. generally speaking, I'm enjoying it. Um, yeah. But the, this is a novel, but it's there's no real overlying plot. So it's kind of like the same thing when we were you and I um, on our previous podcast, mm-hmm. um, the the brothers. Oh yeah, podcast. Yeah, <laughs> um, lifetime ago. <laughs> we, yeah, we read bits of. I, I believe we read bits of. I think the Odyssey. Um, yes. And and our our issue with that was that it was just, or at least the, my issue with that was that it was just one action thing after another without a whole lot of like tying together of like thematic elements or anything like that or like plot or it was just like action 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 yeah um, yeah which is kind of going on here I think thematically. It's um, it is tied together. It's almost more like a short story compilation in a way. It really is, rather than a novel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's anecdotal writing, short story compilation. I, but marketed as a novel. So I'm wondering if there's gonna be some kind of novelistic aspect later. I'm not sure, but yeah, it just depends on how nitpicky and you know with the definition you want to get about that term because a series of vignettes interlocked vignettes with the same characters i mean that's <laughs> what, are, what are we doing we're just talking yeah. you know we're like semantic in semantic circles at that point because is that not what a novel is or yeah, yeah. it's it is strange my make it stop right. is similar right. eh, well it's similar ish I, I just want the book to have some different solutions like 
I've kind of settled on the fact that these people aren't going to change and that it's it's going to be different riffs on the same sound, which, you know, that's fine. It's like you said, it's pretty competently written. It's it's enjoyable. Some humor hits, some doesn't. I'm, I'm OK with that. You know, that's how humor goes. I just think that if they just keep exploiting how important and clever they are every time it just keeps working out. Uh, like I guess I'm already kind of tired of that outcome and it's all that they've offered basically (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. there are only so many ways that you can convince me people are you know so much more clever and competent than everyone else where before I'm just like can't we do something else with these characters Um, not a bad satire of military operations though they're definitely bouncing them off of of interesting people and that's working but I just think some of the ways these are wrapping up I'm already kind of just like let's just get to it you know it's there's no tension to it, not maybe not meant to be, right, in a comedy per se, but it does it does feel kind of flat when you get to the end, and um, if the jokes aren't hitting when it ends, then you're just kind of left with another limp, very samey story. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So that would be my my make up. I kind of mentioned my please continue. I guess I'll just throw it out there quick. Yeah, I, I do like the characters they're bouncing off of, and I do like that every chapter we just get a snippet of somebody new. Like so far, none mm-hmm. of the nemeses they've encountered, even Blake, doesn't really deserve much attention, and so he only comes in for brief little bits and yells his couple yells and leaves, exits the narrative. So I, I think this kind of nemesis per chapter scenario per chapter format is working for me. Like the structure. I, I get it. It makes sense. It's it's diverse enough and keeps things fresh. Um, yeah, I, I suppose just keep that going. Like, let's see what other types of military brass types of people in the war they can. Yeah, they can kind of play or bounce off of. I I guess I just want the the plots to be different. Feels weird to say that, but I, I suppose that's what I'm looking for. Yeah. So my please continue is essentially the same, which is the characters and their interactions with one another. So, um, like I said earlier, because each one has a a unique aspect to them, whether it's their behavior or some kind of um, physical aspect or something, right? Mm-hmm. They they're pretty easy to keep track of. Um, but also the the way that they interact with each other, I'm enjoying too, where it's not always just humor which there's a lot of humor but there's also like it's very human in a lot of ways there's Mm. like vengeance there's hatred there's the um moral ambiguities of their interactions with one another and stuff like that which i really enjoy but yeah like the for me too like the the plot itself (laughs) i'm enjoying the anecdotes but Mm -hmm. i i kind of want like some kind of overarching plot to tie everything together in that way as well yeah it's uh, yeah i'm gonna come back to it for the last time on this episode but it it is strange to request this because i do think uh, objectively it it's pulling some intriguing weird scenario it's putting them in bizarre unlikely circumstances right so that's you'd Mm -hmm. think it would be taking care of what i'm asking for but and and maybe this is where the character progress would have to kick in where it's like you know, let's see him fail once. What are you going to do with the characters then? Let's see him, you know, let's see them struggle or, or maybe have a genuine disagreement where they don't have the high ground intellectually, morally, like uh, in terms of their, their wit. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure. And and this might just not be that book because it's lighter. It's comedy um, certainly has serious details and moments, but it's 
yeah, I just don't think I don't I don't want to edit it into the novel that it was never meant to be. Always try always trying to avoid that if I can avoid my brain from doing right. that. Yeah, but yeah, I think the humor too has been yeah. has been good for the most part. What was did you you got your police continue in there too? Characters. Yeah. Yeah, I thought mm-hmm. so. Okay, excellent. Any final thoughts on Mash by Richard Hooker? At least so far. Nope. Excellent. Okay. Very fun. Not a bad first half. I think we we saw each other recently and kind of joked that this book was, I don't know, a shoulder shrug. It's definitely been fun and quick reading. I have not disliked it. Certainly not. That would be way, way, way too harsh to say. Um, but yeah, it's, has it moved you <laughs> at all? I've I've enjoyed it so far. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know about moving me necessarily, um, but I, I find it entertaining, and it's it, the the humor and and the conversations and stuff like that. It very much reminds me of like my dad's military stories yeah, and my husband's yeah. military stories. So it's that's good. It's just it's nice to see that you know. I, I enjoy hearing those stories from them, so it's it's like an extension of that. Yeah, yeah, that is that is definitely true. I guess my final thought on the first half, maybe the best way to c- condense my my rambling thoughts. I'm just happy that this book exists, even if I don't love it. Like that's how I feel like that's yeah. where the quality's hitting me. Where I'm reading it, I'm kind of like, yeah, okay, like yeah, yeah, nice. this all right, yeah, this is like this book is okay, yeah, this I could see somebody really digging this. Like I could see why this book should you know be popular, and yeah, you know, I, I don't know if it, I don't know if it spawned a show that deserved what it to get like 30 seasons. Isn't that the joke? Like didn't didn't match just go forever? <laughs> I mean, it's like forever, it felt like, yeah. So I'm definitely not going to weigh in on the quality of of that. I don't don't think any property deserves that much TV. But it's as I'm reading it, I'm like, yeah, okay, this deserves some attention. Like, okay, it's a fun fun read. So that's that's how I'm kind of bouncing through it. Um, Anyway, all right, so our final thoughts on MASH by Richard Hooker. Uh, If you're up for part two, which we hope you are, it'll be posted next Friday. Though you could be listening to this in any time, year, month, so just check the feed. It'll be the next episode after this one gets posted. Uh, So be back and check us out for that. We'll be spoiling at that point the second half of the book, which I don't have the chapters pulled in front of me, do you? Uh, Yeah, so it'll be chapters chapters 10. (laughs) Critically. Yeah, chapters 10 through, let me see, 15. Okay, 10 to 15, so fewer, but obviously longer. We'll see what kind of shenanigans they get up to or if maybe the book takes a turn in some some manner. Uh, We're on Instagram, as I mentioned at the beginning, on Facebook as well. We are at the Lightly Literary Podcast, which is all one handle, so check us out there. Any podcast platform you're on, if you could like, subscribe, follow, you know, leave a review, those are huge. Tell your friends and family, any, any word of mouth or any casual recommendation, helps a bunch so we do appreciate that a ton uh thanks as always for listening all the way through and until next time we'll see you between the pages